Well, good morning, everyone. Nice, nice to see you. It's been a little while. Uh, our key scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn over there. <clears throat> Acts, chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 23. Peter and John had just uh, been before the Sanhedrin, and they were, uh, they were on trial, more or less, and being challenged about speaking about who Jesus is and what Jesus had done. And they had been rebuked and reprimanded and then uh, set free. So we pick it up here in verse 23, back when they get back to, uh, to everyone there. So verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus." After they played, they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I remember the first time that I was asked to say a prayer in front of the church that I grew up in. I was probably about nine years old, and there were about 700 people at that church at that time. So I was a little nervous about getting up to pray. And uh, I wrote everything out and wrote it down, and, and I got up there and, and, I, and I read my prayer, and it was, very, it was very shaky, and it was very, but I got through it. And I don't remember who it was, but, but I asked someone after church, uh, how did it go? <laughs> did I do okay? And they said, well, you could have done a little better. <laughs> right? Right? But you remember what it's like in his kid when we even when it's just the four of us, my family sitting around the table, and we ask one of the kids to pray, you can see the fear in their eyes. Right? And 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 they said things that we have all thought or said at least once in our lives when we've talked about prayer. They said, Well, I don't know what to say. What do I say to God? If the world were falling falling apart around you, what would you pray for? If things were going wrong and you needed help, what would you pray for? When things are going right, what would you pray for? If you would take a second and pull out, uh, there's little notepads in the chairs in front of you. Pull that out or just find something to write on your neighbor's arm, uh, the back of the head in front of you, whatever you want to use. Uh, and I want you to just take a moment to consider, if, if, if you can come up with this, what are the things that you've think you pray for the most? What are the things that you think you pray for the most when you pray? And maybe write down two things, three things, however many you can come up with there. Now, in this passage in Acts, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean, obviously, uh, they're responding to a particular situation. They want to preach Jesus and speak about who Jesus is, but the city, the town around them is is kind of rising up against them and, and telling them no. So this prayer is really interesting because they spend the first part of the prayer telling God about who he is and about how stupid everyone else is. Why are the nations rising up against you? And they even bring up this passage from David, like, God, this has been happening forever. People are plotting, people are planning, people are trying to keep you down. But they recognize they do something really important in this chair, in this prayer. That he is the sovereign Lord, meaning he is above all things. And they recognize that God has the power. God has the power to put these people in their place and to send his word out through them. 
And so they challenge God. They pray boldly to God. They tell God, consider these threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. And they spoke this way to God, much like, much like the song we just sang, that God is the, the majesty of God, that he is over all things. And here is what is truly amazing, and, and I love this. What happened after they prayed this prayer? The place they were in started to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. We pray to God all the time for lots and lots of different things. But something that never ceases to amaze me is this. When we call on the name of the Lord, God answers. When, when we speak to God, God hears us. When we ask God for help, God shows up. And I love the fact that in the middle of this terrible place, in the middle of this trying to get the word of Jesus out, they called on the name of the Lord, and the Lord showed up and filled the place and gave them the boldness to speak the word of God. I want us to think a little bit about how we pray, about why we pray, about what we pray for this morning. Because we have a God that listens. We have a God who is over all things and yet cares about us and loves us in such an amazing way. We have a God who invites us to come before him all times. And as we're going to sing in the next song, we have a God who knows everything that's wrong with us who knows how broken we are, but he invites us to come before him, to have relationship with him, and he turns our brokenness into something that is, are you ready? Beautiful. Into something that's beautiful. Let's sing this song together. It's time to dismiss our kids to Children's Church and uh, the classes that we have. So all those instructions are up there on the screen if you're wondering where to send your kids. You'll get there. That's right. Well, we have... uh, We've spent the last couple of months going through the book of Ephesians, and it's, it's been a few weeks since we were last in the book of Ephesians, um, but there are some things that, uh, as we close out on this book today, uh, there, there are some things that have really kind of, kind of come to my attention, and I've told you this a few times, um, there, there are some sermons where um, I'm working through some sort of idea that is uh, still forming in my head. <laughs> and this Sunday is one of those Sundays. So, I mean, hopefully uh, it makes sense, uh, but uh, you, you're just, you might have to be a little, a little patient with me today. Uh, so r- let's, let's back up, though, a little bit here. So the letter was written to uh, most likely a group of churches uh, that were in the process of figuring things out. And uh, they were in the process of, of learning how to live uh, for Jesus and what that meant, learning how to live differently than uh, their communities and, and the places where they were. So Paul, the, the writer, gives them instruction throughout the book of Ephesians on all sorts of different things. Uh, he told them about uh, of the wonder of the gospel, which one thing he really wanted to emphasize early on is that uh, Jesus erases the differences between people and people from all different places and backgrounds are brought together uh, under the saving grace of God in Jesus. Uh, he talked about unity within the body and, and how, again, everyone is drawn together uh, in spite of their differences. Uh, he talked about how they were to live within really crucial relationships in their lives, how they were to live uh, you know, with how they were to treat their spouses, how they were to treat their children, uh, how they were treated their parents, how all these things were supposed to happen. Uh, and he taught them this, that, you know, in order to live this kind of different way for Jesus, it wasn't so simple as just, you know, deciding to do something different. He really wanted them to understand that Jesus, that Jesus changes who they are on the inside 
And when Jesus changes who they are on the inside, then their actions and the things that they do change. And then, as we saw uh, in in chapter 6 last, uh, well, four weeks ago, I guess it would have been, uh, he, he brought up the point that, you know, they're always going to be under attack. Because the world that they live in, the evil one is going to want to uh, is going to want to make them as influence them as much as possible to lose their faith in God and to turn their back on Him. Now, but here's something I I didn't really notice until I went back and just read through the whole book again over this last week, and that is this: that woven throughout all of these really wonderful concepts. There is a thread that holds everything together. And that thread, if you have been conscious this morning, is prayer. Prayer runs throughout the entire letter. And it actually, the letter starts with a prayer. There's a prayer in the middle. And then there's a prayer at the end. So there is much that we are going to say about prayer this morning But there is something that I want us to see right from the start. And maybe this is a different way to look at this for you. Uh, Maybe I'm just stating the obvious. I don't know. Um, Paul chose to start the letter, have, have the, you know, prayer filling in the middle, and then have it end with prayer, I think for some very specific reasons. Now, again, remember, this is a group of people that are figuring out how to live as Christians, what it means, how to talk to God, who God is, who Jesus is, how their lives are going to be different. And so I think that prayer is such an important part of this letter because Paul wanted to actually model for this community how you use prayer and and what it's for and and to show them his own dependence and use on it and, and use of it. And he didn't want to, you know, sometimes we fall into this trap of, uh, as Christians where, you know, if we're, if we're talking to someone about faith means like, like he didn't, he didn't just say, well, you just need to pray and move on. Right. Uh, and so we do that, right. Sometimes, well, you should pray or you should read your, we, we tell people to do things, but Paul is, is a better teacher sometimes than we are. And so what he chose to do was to model it, to write out these prayers, these things that he is lifting up to God and that he is lifting up on their behalf. Uh, And in so doing that, he shows this group of young Christians, one, how much he believes in prayer, and, and he also shows them what prayer looks like in the life of someone who really has a mature relationship with Jesus. You know, this, this is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like. And it's, it's really the last point there that this is what prayer looks like in, in the life of a mature Christian that struck me as I was getting ready for this week. It, it's, it's the way that Paul uses prayer and what he says and how he does it that really made me think or reevaluate some of the ways that I pray and what I pray for and how I pray. Now, I asked you uh, earlier to write down some things that you pray for. Like, what are some of the most common things that you pray for on a regular basis? Who has something that they want to share, that they could share? This is something I pray for on a regular basis. Lydia? Your children and grandchildren. Good. What's something you pray for on a regular basis? Yeah. The well-being of others? Okay, like health. Okay, good. Vera? Major health issues. issues. Good. What else? For our church. church. Good. What else? For safety. safety. Okay. Shirley? Say that one more time. That people will see God at work around them. them. Good. Aaron? For our country. Okay, good. Anyone else? Jim? Okay, that God would help you to love him with all your heart and to walk with him. Okay, anything else? Spouse? Forgiveness? Okay, good. Now, these are all things that probably a lot of us pray for, like at various times in various places. Um, And when do we pray? 
I mean, so maybe we have some patterns of when we pray, like, like the kids do. So we pray when we wake up, or we pray when we go to sleep, or we pray um, uh, before dinner. Uh, maybe unlike kids, we pray when we're in traffic, uh, you know, or other sorts of times. We pray, um, but so we have these times when we do it. But we also, like, we also probably, and maybe you, you're free to disagree with me on this, uh, we also probably pray when like you're saying, like circumstantial, what I'm going to call circumstantial prayers. Um, so something comes uh, through the prayer email, or you hear about something that's going on, or you're especially worried or stressed out about something, and so we lift these things up before God when we hear about them and we're experiencing them, yeah? Yeah. And, you know, as I said earlier, it, it's so wonderful um, and I'm glad that Randy brought this up in the children's sermon too. Like when you listen to a child pray, and, and maybe you've done this with uh, when, when a child starts to say what they're thankful for in their prayer and they start looking around the room. You ever had that experience? And God, thank you for that picture. And God, thank you for my piggy bank. And God, thank you for... And they just like, it's whatever, right? Because they're, they're looking around their world and they're expressing themselves to God in a certain way. We do the same thing, just not quite, <laughs> not quite to that level. When, when, we are, when something's going on, when we're stressed or there's a worry or something, we, we lift these things up before God. And, and one of the things that is so amazing about God is that God listens to all of our prayers, whether we're thanking him for our piggy bank and our lamp, or <laughs> we're saying, God, I, I don't know what's happening. Or God, help me out of this place. That God, that God listens to us. Um, how do we pray? I would venture to guess that on the most, probably the most common way that we pray is, is a pretty conversational transaction. Um, I mean, we're probably not often literally getting to our knees or going face down before God, you know, we're, we're probably, uh, you know, I, I've even stopped closing my eyes in prayers, right? I, I look around, those of you who have, who are eye open prayers, you, yeah, we see each other when I'm praying at the end. Yeah. Um, so, but, but by and large, it's, it's probably conversational, but I want to, I want to challenge us for a second too. I think a lot of times our prayers are transactional. And what I mean by that is, Something has come up, and we want God to be involved in whatever it is. So again, I want to make something very, very painfully clear. This is good, and we should do this. Because God invites us to do this and to come before him in prayer. Um, but there's a question that kind of stuck in the back of my mind as I was thinking, and again, this, I'm talking about me, so this may not be about you at all today. Something stuck in the back of my mind as I was thinking about these prayers and I, as I was praying for people and I, and I was sort of, I got a little bit, I was a little bit convicted by this. Well, are my prayers transactional? Like, am I just going to God when something happens? And, and then I sort of asked myself the question, well, what is the purpose or the subject of most of the prayers that I pray? What's the, what am I after? What am I, what am I doing? What's, What's sort of at the heart of it? And I, I found, I stumbled on something that has been shockingly true for me over my spiritual history. And that is this. My prayers almost all center around me. Or the circumstances that I find myself in. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't pray for other people. Of course I do. Of course you do, right? But... The subject of most of our prayers, I would venture, are, is ourselves. What's going on? Um, or to those people or things that relate the most to us. Now, before I go too far down this trail, again, God invites us to do this and wants us to do these things. And it's good that I, that I invite God into all those things. I want him to be in the middle of my life, my work, my marriage, my children, everything I do. I want God to be in all those places. And God wants me to invite him into those places. 
Again, it's an amazing thing. But it feels sometimes like, like maybe I get things a little bit backwards. And I wonder, is my life being shaped to reflect what God wants? Or am I trying to shape God to the life that I want? Should I say that again? Yeah. <laughs> I hope I can. <laughs> Is my life being shaped to reflect what God wants, or am I trying to shape God to the life that I want? For example, something that... Um, we pray about a lot as individuals and as a church is to know God's will for our lives or for our church. God, what is your will? I want to follow your will. Um, but I want you to think for a second about how we apply that concept to our lives. Um, we pray for God's will to be done in our lives, and then we ask God, what is your will? And 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 we look at it, I think, kind of in certain ways, like, God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to go? Um, God, is it your will for me to take this job? God, is it will, your will for me to go to this place? And I think it's a pretty difficult exercise for us, this whole exercise of trying to align ourselves with God. Because again, who's at the center of this request? I would like to say it's God. But I'm not so sure it is. I think the request a lot of times, actually, I am putting myself at the center of this quest and waiting for God to tell me what, so now what do I do? God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Where do I go? What do I do? And it's kind of like, you know, when we were talking about this as a church, about um, our direction and, and, and talking about our vision and, and where God wants us to go, uh, we, we prayed in a different way. You know, we, we prayed and we waited and we listened and then we were doing. And, and I, I told you this then, it felt like as a church leader for a long time, you know, I would come up with a plan and then I would ask God to bless that plan. Instead of asking God for direction and then waiting for God to help me figure out that direction. The good news is, even if all of this is true about me, or you, we learn something so important and simple about prayer from the book of Ephesians. And we learn them from all the prayers. We see it in all these different places. And these things have helped me to reshape my understanding of how I can interact with God. Now, I want to ask you for a favor, okay? This is not an either-or sermon. Meaning that when we get to the end, don't ask yourself, well, can I still pray for, or should I still talk to God about, or is God still interested in, because the answer is yes. You should still pray for, God is still interested in, and yes, you should still talk to him about, blah, whatever it is. Okay? But, but there's something we need to add to this relationship and the way that we talk with God. So one of the first things we have to recognize uh, in, in these, and it's not just really the letter to Ephesians, it's, it's a lot of the letters that Paul writes, and when um, he spends a lot of time within these letters, when he prays or when he writes out prayers, voicing prayers for the community uh, themselves. So we know that a big part of his prayer life is not just about him, but about these groups of people that he has met or planted or heard about or this, this church has started and he knows how much help they need and he knows uh, all these different things. And, and to be fair, okay, Paul could have had um, an extensive personal prayer journal that walked through every part of his life. I mean, we know that when, when Paul was dealing with a thorn in his side, he repeatedly went to God and asked God to take this thing away from him. So, so we're not saying that Paul didn't pray for himself in a very personal way. But we see an example through the letters of, of Paul praying and really 
the apostles and disciples praying, praying for other people and praying for these communities. And that was a little bit convicting to me. Uh, the, the fact that, that he's not even necessarily, you know, he's praying for all of these different places, for all of these different communities, and, and, and all the things that they need to know about God. But what is most informative to me about it is specifically what he prays for when he prays for others. Okay? So when Paul prays for others, he prays some pretty specific things. And we've already looked at one of the prayers early on in this series, but we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. And here's what he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Now, I, I, love this, I love these verses and I love what he says. And this prayer and, and, and what he says is not an uncommon thing for him to pray for. This is, you, you will, it, it rings true of, of other passages and, and other letters. But what is it that he is actually praying for? There's a lot of words here. But he's actually praying for one thing. Do you know what it is? Can you see it? That they would know the gospel. Who Jesus is. That, that, G, that God sent his son to this place to die for them that he was raised again from the dead, and that he gives them new life and power through God, the gospel, that message. That's what his prayer is here. His prayer is that they would know the gospel, but not, thus, not just that they would know the gospel, that they would be sure of the gospel, that, that there would be no doubt or fear, that they would have confidence in the gospel, in its truth, and in everything that it says and everything that it means. His prayer was that the truth of Jesus Christ would become the foundational piece of who these people are. That the truth of Jesus Christ would become the foundational piece of who they are. That forms them and shapes them that they build their house on. It is Jesus. And that's what he hopes. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The same power and strength that raised Christ from the dead, these things are all available to you. And it becomes even more clear when we read the prayer in the middle. So turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Starting in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's the thing, guys. When I have read this passage, and we talked about this when we went through here. You see power, and I always, I had always read it sort of as God gives us power to do things, but that's not really what Paul says. It's not really what he's talking about. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to what? To grasp. To grasp, where is it? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So he's praying that they would be rooted in love and that they would be filled with power so that they can know who Jesus is. So that they can know who Jesus is. This is Paul's prayer for them. That Jesus, again, would be at the center Because you see, Paul believed that, and you might have heard something like this before, that the gospel of Jesus was life-changing. He believed that the gospel of Jesus was life-changing. He also believed that the gospel of Jesus was the only thing that could give the kind of life that God desires for us to live. And, And he believed that knowing Jesus and beginning to wrap our minds around who Jesus is would fill people up with an immeasurable, unspeakable fullness that only God can give. Now listen. Shame on us. For this reason. For this reason. Some of us have been Christians for a long, long time. And not always, but sometimes we are guilty of treating the gospel of Jesus as if it is something common and not very special. Oh, we know it is. Like, we know it is, and and we feel it in our hearts. But here's what this passage convicts me about. I need the power of God in my life just to help me understand how big it is. I need the power of God in my life just to help me understand how big the love of Jesus is and what it does for me. And I could spend the rest of my life just trying to understand how much Jesus loves me. Trying to understand just how much Jesus loves me. I could do that for as long as I live. And guess what? I still won't get it completely. Because it's too big. The gospel is too big. The story is too big. It changes everything. It changes everything. And I could spend the rest of my life trying to grasp that for me. Isn't it wonderful that as much as we know God loves us, we have no clue? As much as you know God loves you, you've got no clue. You're off on the level of how much he loves you. That's good news, people. Yeah? Okay, you still with me? So his prayer for others was that they would know the gospel, that the gospel would live inside them, filling them with God, and that this would be who they are, what forms them and what shapes them. Now, throughout his letters, Paul also asked people to pray for him. So... Paul was often in some pretty difficult circumstances. He wrote some letters from jail. He uh, was being, uh, you know, chased out of towns by, by, by people in certain places, you know. And so he was, he was kind of living rough. And so if we found ourselves in Paul's place where, um, you know, we were being persecuted for preaching the gospel in some place and we have enemies and we have these things going on and we're under attack, what are the things that we would pray for? We would pray for comfort. We would pray for release or relief. We would pray for deliverance from our enemies. We would pray for safety. We would pray for all of those things. And 
let's be honest, okay, why would we want those things to happen? If let's be honest, so that our so that we would feel better, so that our life would become more like what we want our life to be, because we have this really entitled idea, um, which is that no one should ever get mad at us for talking about Jesus, and that the whole idea of persecuting Christians is just wacky and off base and shouldn't happen anywhere. Well, that's not the world that they lived in. And the world that they lived in, if you spoke about Jesus and if you were bold, I mean, people didn't like it. And people were actively persecuted. So what does Paul pray for when he prays? We're going to look at this last prayer from chapter 6. So he's just, and it's interesting, he's just come out of the whole uh, armor of God talk and, and he's told them when, how to arm themselves and protect themselves and all these different things. And he finishes that section and he establishes, you know, okay, we're, we're, we're under attack. And here's what he says. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Good. See, we're, we're on the right track. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Okay. So this is what he asked them to pray for, for him. What does he ask them um, that he would get out of jail? Does he ask for a more comfortable living environment? Does he ask that people would stop persecuting him even? No. What does he pray for? This is crazy. This is crazy what he prays for. But he prays that he would have more words and less fear. Give me more words and less fear. So that the gospel would go out. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Turn over to the book of Acts. It's the, the story that we read earlier when we looked at this, this prayer. Peter and John uh, again, were just they were on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. They were like sent out. They go back to their people, and 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 we have this prayer. On their release, Peter and John went back. This is I'm sorry, Acts chapter four, twenty three through thirty one. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders throughout the through the name of your holy servant Jesus after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly all right their prayer w- wasn't uh, it's interesting so they acknowledged the fact that the people in power are against them they acknowledge the fact that people in power are against them, but they also acknowledge a couple of other things. Number one, as we said earlier, God is actually the one who is in power. And in fact, even when the rulers of this place tried to silence Jesus, that was your call that Jesus go to the cross. It wasn't theirs. So even there, when they were trying to stop Jesus, they were really helping to fulfill what it is that you wanted Jesus to do. But then they say, and I love this, Consider their threats. So they're trying, they, they, they see all this and they, and they say, there's a problem. The problem is not that they're being mistreated. The problem is that these people are trying to stop the gospel of Jesus going out. They're trying to get us to stop talking about Jesus. So God, give us 
consider what they're doing and give us boldness so that we can go out and speak the truth about who Jesus is. And when the Holy Spirit comes on them and the room shakes, what do they do? They talk about God. They speak the Word of God boldly. Now, the prayer for a change in circumstance was not so that their lives would go better, but so that the gospel would continue to go out more boldly. And God answered that prayer in this dramatic way. Now look, I don't know how you feel about some of these things, but I have to tell you, this is a shift for me. It is. I know like, I'm your pastor and, you know, I'm, and I, I do. I read my Bible. I follow God. I do. I, yeah, I do those kinds of things. But I have to be just completely honest with you and say, this is not what I pray for. Not like this. I mean, do I pray that others would know Jesus? Yeah. Do I pray for those that are lost? Yes. Do I pray that our church would have an impact on this world? Yeah. I, I mean, I pray for all of those things. But it occurs to me now that I'm not being specific enough and I need to be more specific because what I should be praying for is that nothing would stop the gospel from going out from me. That nothing would stop it that I would have more words and less fear, that I would be bold in telling people that Jesus loves them, that nothing would keep that from happening. Am I praying that things around me would change so that I can have the kind of life that I want or that I think I deserve, or am I praying that I would be able to take out the gospel more effectively and that God would change things around me so that the gospel would go out more? Do you see the difference between those two things? It's so plain. It's so plain. We have two more verses to look at from Colossians chapter 4. Again, this is Paul writing to this community. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way, this is great, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So here again, he prays for himself that he would have the opportunity to speak the gospel and the boldness, but then he says to these people, these Christians in, in this church, and when you go out, keep in mind that you're supposed to be talking about the gospel as well. And so let every conversation you have, let every conversation you have be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. You ready for this? This is a good one. Every conversation you have should taste like the gospel. Every conversation you have should taste like the gospel, should taste like the love of Jesus, should taste like the grace that God extends to us. So let's back up a second as we close here. Let's go back to this idea of how we align ourselves with God and how we look for the will of God in our lives. And we've even been through this some as a church. Um, you know, we've, we've said what our vision is, we've said what our values is, what our values are. And, um, but we go through this process, again, we, we, we pray for God's will to be done in our lives, and we say, God, what is your will? And then it's, what do you want me to do? And where do you want me to go? And all these different sorts of things. And I, I just want to... I think that we have overcomplicated... I think we have overcomplicated what it means to align ourselves with God and to do his will and to follow his will and to be his people. 
Because I've told, we've read this passage several times over the past almost four years. From 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time, and for this purpose I was appointed a herald and apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. What is it that God wants from us? What is it that God wants for the world? He wants people to hear and to know and believe in the gospel. That is what he wants. What does he want us to do as a church? To tell everyone the gospel and introduce them. What does he want you to do in your life? (laughs) To tell everyone the gospel. To introduce people to Jesus. To let them dip their toe into that endless and unfathomable love that God shows us. It's not a mystery. It is the point. It is the point of what God wants. If we believe that the love of God in Jesus changes everything, then we better act like we believe that the love of God in Jesus changes everything. Which means that Jesus matters to who? To everyone. That Jesus matters to everyone. So what does aligning ourselves with God mean? It means two things. And that's all it means. Number one, that we know and hold firm to the gospel. That it is Jesus who saves and gives us life. And number two, that we take the gospel out to the world. That is what it means to align yourself with God and to do the will of God. Are there different ways to do that? Yes. Do different people have different gifts? Yes. Do different people have different opportunities? Yes. But guess what? It's all the same will. It's all the same point. Hold Hold firm to and know the gospel and take the gospel out to the world. Because here's the thing, guys. God is not so concerned with fixing our circumstances around us so that we have a happier life. What God is concerned about is that we know Jesus and we tell others about Jesus. And listen, here's what we see. Here's what we see when we began to turn our focus away from ourselves and we put the gospel at the middle and we pray, God, would you remove the obstacles that are keeping me from telling other people about you? The room shakes. The room shakes. And the Spirit comes and God is spoken about boldly. It boils down to four things. Knowing, living, going, telling. Knowing, living, going, telling. It's what we do. We know it, we live it, we go, and we tell. And the prayer that we have is not just that we would live and know the gospel, and, but that the gospel would go out from this place, that we would stand strong and be bold, that we would tell the story of Jesus to all who would hear, and that the gospel would be the center of who we are as well. Amen? then let's pray about that.
God, we are grateful that you listen to us. God, we are grateful that you invite us to have relationship with you. We are grateful that you care about work and kids. And But God, I'm also grateful that you call us to open our eyes and to look up. To look up from our own things and to realize that you are calling us to stand firm and be strong in the fact that you love us. To make that the root and the core of who we are, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that your son came to this place, died for us, rose again, and that we have new life. God, we are, we can be afraid, we can be held up by obstacles. We can get stuck in our own little place that we forget that this world needs the gospel as well. God, I pray for more words and less fear. I pray for boldness. I pray for eyes that see the opportunity that sits in front of us. I pray for feet that are ready to walk out and go. And God, we pray that you would give us all that we need to take the gospel out boldly. But more than that, God, would you give us the hearts we need? Would you give us the hearts we need to care more about a world that is lost than we do about our own stuff? Soften us, God, and make us bold. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any need for prayers or encouragement this morning,